Radical, episode 160 tonight, ladies and gents. Uh, I've got a great guest for you. I'm your host, Shane Hazel, by the way. Uh, if you guys are new to the program, you can go out there and uh, look at RadicalPod.com. It's going through some changes right now. There's a whole lot going on. The Helios Initiative is up. There's gear that's up. There's a whole bunch. And if you want to support us, you can go out to Patreon.com, which links are there as well. Uh, but before we get into all that admin and just kind of leave it aside tonight, uh, I wanted to say a special thank you, uh, first and foremost, before we even start this program. Uh, my my guest tonight, is he needs no introduction in libertarian circles. He gave Gave me uh, a, a big, big platform when I first ran for U.S. Congress uh, back in 2018, and he's been in this liberty movement for a long time. We go back even further uh, for the Marine Corps, and he is the host of Wealth, Power, and Influence. He is the author of the Nomadic Wealth Formula and the creator of the Nomad Network. The great, the amazing Jason Stapleton joins me now. Hey, brother. What's up, man? Dude, I, 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 I feel I watched that intro and I'm like, dude, I got to up my game. That is that is an impressive intro. I, I was ready. It's all downhill from here, brother. I, I was ready to go storm the Capitol when I got done watching that thing. My God. Fantastic. Well, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for giving me uh, uh, some some time on your platform to talk to your audience. Man, I am tickled to death to do this for you. I mean, like any time, too. I mean, it's it's funny, you know, as we've been doing this for a minute, you've been doing it for longer than I have. I mean, and I was looking at, uh, you know, some of your pictures the other day, and I was just like, man, he got married? I was like, I know, holy yeah, it's, cow, it's, congratulations. It's well, it's funny because I, uh, I, I, I think I follow your wife. I don't even think it's your account. I follow your wife on Instagram. Instagram. So as I'm scrolling through, I'm like watching your kids and I'm watching the stuff that you guys are doing and the house that you guys were building a while back. And, and, uh, and so I feel like I'm kind of, I kind of know a little bit about what's going on with you, even though we haven't talked in, in probably a year, but yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a, it's been a busy 18 months or so for me. I was going to say there, you know, a lot of people complain about like slowing down during times like this. And I, I, I just see it in you and I see it in a lot of this community that's just like, man, put the hammer down. Now is the time to try to find what your niche is, what your passion is, anything that you can to, to, to move with these incredibly changing times. Like we were talking about just before we came on. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you feel it more than ever. Are you still in California? No, no, we got out of California. I, after I had to be in California when, uh, for a couple of years because of the arrangement I had with the people who sold my advertising for my podcast. So I got studio space and stuff out there. Um, and while we were kind of reconstituting my business uh, after my business partner and I broke up <laughs> in like 2018, uh, it was, I needed that space, but, and now the business has kind of reconstituted itself. We're doing well. And, uh, as soon as I had an opportunity to get out of California, we did that. So my wife and I moved to Arizona. We're in Scottsdale now and just absolutely loving it. Loving it. Uh, yeah, I, I saw. I was going to ask you if you is that where you guys were like vacationing after getting married, or if that you're so you're actually out in Scottsdale. And I've been out there many, many times, and it is a absolutely beautiful area. Oh man, I I thought you know I've been here several times, and I guess I didn't really notice it. I thought, well, you know, it's going to be a desert, and I'll just, you know it'll be okay. A few months out of the year, maybe we'll go travel and do something else. And I got to tell you, man, it's like an oasis in the desert. It's green. It's beautiful. The weather, yeah, other than three months a year when it's just like baking, uh, the rest of the yeah. time, it's gorgeous. It was like 85 degrees today, 90 degrees. You can still go to the pool. It's just, it's, uh, it's perfect. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you, and man. They have, they have, they have uh, no restrictions on concealed carry here either. So you're like, <laughs> We got here and and so Nancy goes. Safe. Yeah, Nancy goes. Nancy goes. I said, I, I'm. I now we're back in. Now we're back here. I want to go get a gun. Yeah. I and I said, uh, and she said, okay. And I checked the laws on it. I'm like, oh, we can do concealed carry here. She goes, what does that mean? I said, well, it means that we can carry a gun anywhere you want. And she goes, without even without a license. I said, oh, not even without amazing. a license. There's not even a test. I don't even have to pay a fi a fee and go and you know shoot at a target for an hour they just give it to their like, sure whatever <laughs> yeah you, you, you're you're probably going to be the, the least harmful person out there in, in, in terms exactly. of owning a gun 
<laughs> you need it for the coyotes anyway to keep them yeah. away from the house. Oh, no, God. I mean, yeah, you you have been busy. I mean, you you created uh, or I said you authored the book last time I talked to you, the, uh, the 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 nomadic wealth formula, and I mean, great book. Um, the the nomadic network that you've created for you know entrepreneurs in a digital space, I think, is absolutely awesome. Tell my audience all about it if if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so what we did was I, after 2000, after 2020 and everything kind of uh, kind of fell apart, I, I wrote this book and it's not a long book. I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a great book or a good book, but it was a it was it got information that was in my head onto a paper onto paper. And it mm -hmm. put something really simple for people to understand in their hands. And what we basically talked about is that, listen, our, our world is really ch is changing really quickly. And for the last few years, pr even prior to 2020, we had been talking a lot about controlling your source of your income through entrepreneurship and investment and said, hey, listen, if you if you really want to be free, you know, all of these talks about philosophy and, and, and all this arguing and bickering and infighting is, is not doing the job. And I said, the, the surest way that I have found in order to, in, to, to create liberty for yourself and in your own life is by acquiring rare and specialized skills. So constantly keeping your skill set up to date, controlling the source of your income through entrepreneurship and investment. And then lastly, doing your best to make your income mobile. So focus time, time and energy on things that can be done from anywhere. And I kind of put that those thoughts into the book. They weren't as well flushed out as they are now today. And that idea really started to take off. And, and now it's uh, people who are people who are chastising me years ago now are on are agreeing with me and, and kind of like working with me to try and build this. And one of the things I wanted to create was a network for people. It's it's a community that a lot of people confuse it as a social media site, but it's really a community of people who all have the same ambition, the same goals, which is I want to create freedom for myself. I want to create liberty for myself. And even if I don't have a business, even if I haven't gone down that road yet, I want to go down that road and I want to surround myself by a network with a network of people who can help me do that. And, and that's what we did. We've been on our, we're on our third iteration now. We have our own private app that uh, and uh, the community of about 1,500 people right now. Uh, we're doubling about every month, so that's been really terrific. And I'm just trying to let people know that, hey, if they're frustrated with politics, if they're frustrated with the infighting, especially libertarian or, you know, and, you know, I, I guess what we could call classical liberals, uh, even some Republicans and, and folks like that that are really just fed up with this and they want to take matters into their own hands, up until now, what I see, Shane, is you got two choices. You can storm the Capitol. You can say to yourself, well, I'm going to be a three percenter, an armed militant, and I'm going to start joining my local militia so that one day I can defend my, my home to the death, my homestead to the death, or go along to get along. And, and I don't agree with either one of those. And we're in a rare position in human history right now where technology and opportunity have come together to present really any, every American at least, maybe not everybody around the world, but every American who wants to create liberty for themselves to be able to do that. And mm -hmm. I see my role in that is just helping to facilitate, helping to teach. Uh, I've, I've built a couple of multi-million dollar businesses. Uh, I've got, uh, I, I do consulting work for digital entrepreneurs, even brick and mortar businesses. So I have, I have skill, I have knowledge, and I have a network. And what I've done with the Nomad Network is I, I brought all of that together in one place to help anybody who really wants to do this with their life but doesn't know where to get started. Yeah, I, I, I think that is a, a monumental thing, especially in America. I mean, we get indoctrinated, obviously, for the first, like, I don't know, 13 years of our life in terms of, you know, skills and and education. Um, but we don't really have, and, you know, unless, unless you got an entrepreneur in the house, you really don't know where to start all these kind of things. You know, like the, the brainstorming process, the create, just the creative process alone of like figuring out what your passion in life is that, you know, you'll you're going to go out and and really bust your butt and work your ass off for day in and day out and you know it, it'll kill you someday because you love it so much right and um and, and i i think that is a a great place because you know a lot of people are like well what would i do you know like what what in this day and age am i going to do that hasn't been done out there already like everybody's got a podcast right everybody's got this everybody's got a website or, or whatever the case is what do you what do you tell people that are are kind of 
of they want to be entrepreneurs, but they think that the market space is flooded. Yeah, well, okay. the the idea that the market market is flooded is is really foolish. That's like saying, I mean, look at you. Your, your podcast is super successful. This is what I told people when I started my first podcast. Um, is I said, do you think the world really needed? another political <laughs> podcast, right. one more political commentator. Is it really what this world needs? It's not about need. It's about want. And for people who really love what you do um, and the subject matter that you cover, they can't get enough of that. They listen to you and 10 other people who talk and maybe they say exactly the same thing. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, not only is the market wide open, but there is it's expansive. There's no there's no cap on the number of people you can have in any specific industry. And the fact is, is that all you got to do is be just a little bit better than any everybody else in the marketplace, the majority of them to capture market share. And, and so for people who just say, well, I don't know what I would do. Uh, what I say is, is, well, what do you like doing? Because see, here's what I think is that most people are fed this line. Like you said, go to school so you can get good grades. So you can go to college. So you can get good grades there. So you can get a good job so that you can spend the next, I don't know, 40 or 50 years doing work that you find unenjoyable with people you don't like. <laughs> so that at the end of that day, you can retire and then finally get to live your life, right? And do the stuff you always wanted to do. And I said, well, that's, kind of, that's, that's terrible. And what they what you're taught... What, what you're taught is that that's the safe thing to do, that that's the safest yeah. place to go. And what I tell people is, listen, the downside, whether you work for somebody else or you work for yourself, the downside is exactly the same. Worst thing that could happen is you end up penniless sleeping in a van down by the river. Right? You could be fired from a job. Your skill sets can become obsolete. There's a million different ways that you could end up penniless and homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, when you work for somebody else, the upside is always capped. There's always a limit of how far you can go, how much money you can make within an organization uh, at any level. Um, but when you work for yourself, the upside's unlimited. You have unlimited upside and the downside's the same. And what a lot of people think is, is risky is, is really, um, or think is the safe bet, is really the most risky bet they could be making. And, and so um, all you have to do then is figure out what you really love to do and figure out how to monetize that. And that's one of the things that I work with people to do. Now, if you come to me and you're like, well, I really don't know. I don't like doing anything. And, oh, I, I don't, I haven't read a book in the last three years. Well, look, man, you got, you don't have any skills, man. Nobody's going to pay you for anything. You know, you're, you're begging for handouts from your boss and complaining about why you don't make $18 or $20 an hour. And it's like, look, your skill set doesn't command that. You yeah. don't have, that's where, so that's where you need to focus your time. Maybe you're not ready for entrepreneurship yet, but we can all be working in that direction. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, it, uh, it starts at an early age. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a wife that gets to stay at home and, and do homeschooling and to, you know, you know, have kids bouncing in and out of the studio and while I'm working or, you know, podcasting and all this kind of stuff to see, you know, that, Hey, this looks like it's fun and it's cool and I really like it. And I've got some ideas about what I want to do you know, a show on or create some content on because, you know, we've already had those discussions and then they want to start, you know, like start joining yours and you're like, what do you have to say that you think people want to hear? Right. And it's, and it's not that it's not that it, they don't right? like, especially like my 10 year old, right. He's been in jujitsu since he was, you know, three. So at a, as a 10 year old, he's an expert. He's got seven years as a 10 year old in jujitsu and he can talk about anything and everything that's been great for him. Um, lessons learned and all these little nuanced things, right. And, and trying to have him understand that and explain it to him. You start to see like the gear starting to turn and the light bulb goes off. And like, if that, going on for adults i can only imagine like how exciting it is when when people are coming into your space and 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 talking about you know getting these things kind of ironed out you know for lack of a better term what um what do you see people most interested in or is there like a a path that you kind of push them down like wh what is it your average person coming in um to the space you know wh what, what do they look like in terms of you know their aspirations I, I think most of them, so I talk a lot about wealth uh, in everything that I do, and, and that gets misconstrued and, and misinterpreted in, in the, mo the most negative of ways. You, you, you wouldn't think that a bunch of libertarians would complain about somebody talking about wealth accumulation and, and freedom, but they do. A lot of them do. And it's like, oh, I just focused on the money. 
but I don't, I view wealth very differently than, than I think most people do. For me, wealth is just being able to do what you want, when you want, with, where you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, without consideration of the cost. Okay? Mm -hmm. So different people have different goals. If your job, if you want to jet set around the world and live in and have McMansions all over the, you know, all of the country, you're going to need a little bit more money than somebody who says, you know what, my idea of a perfect life is owning 50 acres in the middle of nowhere where nobody's going to mess with me and they can leave me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so freedom, wealth, time are all interconnected in my mind. And so what I see from the people that have come to me and the and people inside of our network are people who want to create that sort of freedom in their lives, that sort of time freedom, where I own myself every piece of it, and nobody else has a claim to any of my time or attention unless I choose to give it. Uh, I, I don't think that there is anybody who hears that message and would say, well, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't think some people should have that much freedom. Um, what I think happens is, is most people, most people or a lot of people, let me put it this way. A lot of people look at that and they say, all right, well, that's fine, Jason, but I I'm going to focus on politics. I'm not going to get involved in entrepreneurship. And I think one of the big reasons that is, and, and I know you've been in politics. And so I don't, I, I don't look down on anybody who chooses to go that route, uh, and try and run for political office. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that I think most people choose politics over entrepreneurship because it's easy to cast blame when things don't go well. You know, you have uh, the, the, the Libertarian Party right now is in shambles. You have this Mises caucus that's trying to, to make something happen inside of there and trying to kind of take over that party. It, it's just a, it's a train wreck. And what I see is a lot of people who are always pointing the finger at somebody else. Well, in entrepreneurship, where you're the boss, you don't get to point the finger at anybody else. If you don't make any money, you don't eat that week. You know, if you can't pay your bills because you didn't get out there and sell and you didn't learn the skills, there's nobody for you to blame but yourself. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of people. And that's why, you know, that's going to be good for us because it's always going to keep the number of people who are willing to come into our space very small. Uh, and so the people that I see in our network are people who just, we, they just want ownership of their lives and they want control over for example whether or not they got to vax their kids whether or not they got to wear a mask and the only way you're going to have that kind of control is to have money and the and income mobility yeah and I, i'll tell you you know you're not going to get any argument from me that most people get into politics for the wrong reason right and i've i've always thought of politics as a way to disrupt this god-awful system right like you know start out and you're running for house and senate and governor like you know the the idea for me has always been how many people can i peel off how many people can i get to you know maybe five hopefully ten percent of the local surrounding area that draw you know will draw a line in the sand and say hey man you gotta you gotta leave peaceful people alone um and that's really you know instead of you know, taking power, it's more or less empowering people. And I, I don't think that's what most people get into the, the, the political, um, you know, or politics in general for. No, and this is a this is a this is a, a critique that I hear a lot. Uh, even if you talk to guys like Dave Smith, who, you know, will likely run for president, I would imagine in the next cycle. Uh, he says, well, you know, we're, we're here just to disrupt. We're here just to spread the message. And what I would say to that is, well, that's that's a great idea. Well, why don't you just why don't you just start a 501c3? Why don't you just become a I, I would love to see, for example, the Mises caucus just become a fundraising arm. And their slogan is we buy politicians. Right? <laughs> see, it, I, I that, totally agree with that. Spend the money to pay off the people who are already in power. I mean, they're already being bought off by whoever's there that that's how that's how you get funding to become a senator or a congressman. so why don't you just say look man we're raising money to buy our politicians so that we can have a say in our own government and you know redirect all the money that you would spend on campaigns and presidential campaigns towards that end that just makes a much that's a smart much smarter idea i think I agree. I totally agree. And, you know, in, in terms of like my fundraising models, like I didn't fundraise for my Senate campaign. And for this one, I told people, listen, you know, if you guys want, you know, to kind of practice what you preach, you can you can make sure that I am completely independent of anything and everything. And I can run this campaign myself from doing podcasts, from, you know, moving around and things like that, where I can get out and I'm not beholden to anybody in particular. And when, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, damn near the same thing. It's like, Hey, 
can you provide a good or service as a politician to a market, not take the state money that's, you know, taken by, you know, force and coercion at gunpoint and say, hey, listen, I'll stay here as long as it makes sense. You know, I will stay in this position of empowering you guys and pushing back against, you know, the, the, the murders and thieves as long as it makes sense to do so. And when my product isn't good enough anymore, it's basically time to, to hit the road anyway, right? Like yeah. you, you've fallen out of the, the grace with your, you know, basically your support base. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I, I think that I and we were talking about this the other day. I, I mean, I've been really critical of politics as a solution for anything recently. And a lot of people say, well, why can't we do both? And I said, listen, if you've created the type of wealth that I'm talking about, where you self fund and you don't have to be beholden to anybody and you can run for office or, or buy political parties, then by all means do that. You've earned you've earned the right to do that. Yeah. Uh, but for everybody else, there's there's a lot more important stuff that you could be working on to create freedom and opportunity for yourself and your family than than spending your time trolling Facebook or Twitter for for your political party and, and uh, you know working at the local KFC. It's just that that's not a and I know that's a terrible stereotype, but you, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean. There's a whole yeah. lot of people out there who've never had an ounce of success in their life who feel obligated to tell everybody else how to live their lives. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's everywhere. I mean, for God's sakes, we can look around right now, and it's and that's the thing is, you know, we've gotten we've got so over politicized in this world that everybody, you know, has an argument about you know the color icing that's on your birthday cake uh, these days, and you know that's the problem with a world that's that's not free, right? Oh, it's maddening. It's yeah, crazy, it's isn't it? Um, I wanted to get into um, the, the the finance side of this because obviously, um, you know, the politicians have and, and bureaucrats and the rest of these guys that you know have extreme amounts of wealth, power, and influence. Right? They they uh, they are in our lives and they are affecting our lives, especially you know people with you know less of all of those things. Um, when you see the, the the manipulation of the market um, these days in terms of, you know, obviously you got to have masks. Now you got to have COVID, um, you know, jabs and all that fun stuff. And you've left yourself at the mercy of the market, basically, instead of, you know, being your own entrepreneur. And I, I will even say, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that are out there have gotten crushed this past, you know, 18, 19 months anyway. Um, what do you what do you say to those guys that go, hey, man, like anywhere I go, uh, I'm going to be affected by this kind of stuff? Uh, I would say that may be true, um, but I can tell you uh, wealth creates opportunities, uh, opportunities that other people don't have. And, and again, um, for example, your kids are homeschooled. My kids are in private school. Uh, you know, so we have some insulation there. Uh, if all be if if something were to happen and and they wanted to like inject my kids, we could move them out of the country. There are things that we can do to protect ourselves because we have uh, I have income that's mobile and I, I have a reasonably uh, I make a reasonably reasonably good living. Excuse me, uh, but the fact is is like freedom like success like health is a sliding scale it's a it's a variable that one has to account for there's no such thing as oh, i'm free no there's a degrees of it and mm -hmm. the way i define wealth which basically means i can do whatever i want i have fu money uh you know very few people will get to the fu stage but man would anybody disagree that the closer we can get to that the better we are and the freer we are so there's always somebody who will try and find this like, well, what about this happens? One of the things I get is, well, if you're not going to stand and fight, uh, then what's going to happen when you move and then and then they follow you and then you and then it shows up at your door. I'm like, well, I move again. And they kind of try and find these little at these little like, well, what happens when this happens? What happens when that happens? And I'm like, look, man, sure, maybe there's a variable, but I can tell you what, I'm going to have a lot more opportunities, a lot more choices than anybody else has because I followed, I followed this prescription rather than the one that most people lay out for you. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I will give you the, the ton of credit in terms of saying, you know, I, I believe that the, the way to freedom is this path of, of creating, you know, wealth where, um, you know, you've got a, uh, a an income that will never stop basically mm -hmm. uh, passive income and, you know, to say, yeah, listen, I, I believe this so, so much in terms of Liberty, I will help you 
do everything that you can and, and give you anything than everything that's worked for me, plus everything that I've consumed um, that I think has, has worked for other people in other cases. And, and you and you give back that way. I mean, that's I, I think putting your 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 hard work and your passion where you say it is and, and aligning those things gives great credit to the the, the idea that you can help people pursue this and become more free, not only as an individual, but as maybe an entire, you know, geographic area um, or people that will do other things within their own passions and, and set people free in those ways as well. Yeah, no, I, I right now um, we, the, the network that we've got is self-funded and I've, I've told people already, I have no interest in, in making a profit on the network. Um, and the only thing I charge people for now is my time. So if you want my time, I have knowledge, I have information, I put it on out on the network for our premium members, which is about 20 bucks a month. Uh, I spend a little time to update that and, and things and stuff like that. But ultimately, what I want to do is I, I want to create and I talked about this a little bit in my episode this week, which won't be out until Monday, about creating what, what was really called like a like a digital state. And one of the things that's happening now with blockchain technology and smart contracts, cryptocurrency, all of this stuff is that we're seeing a blurring of the line between uh, what is virtual and what is in reality. And and I think some very cool things are going to be happening over the next 10 years or so, 10 to 20 years that are going to provide us a really um, unique opportunity to create what is, in a sense, our own little state. And I'll explain briefly how it works. Um, there's a way to create what's called a digital autonomous organization, which is a series of smart contracts that automatically uh, execute based on what users do. And so mm -hmm. we put our little network together. And one of the things that my network will do in the back office is it will tell me how many people like, how many people share, how many, they'll, it'll get, it's a point ranking system for who's commenting and how good the quality of the content is that they're producing. And as soon as the laws and the technology catch up with uh, what we're trying to do, one of the things we want to do is start paying people to be on our platform. Instead of charging people a fee, we want to pay people for that and to produce good content and that that will feed in on itself. Well, if we get enough people, I don't know how many it is, 100,000, a million, whatever it is, um, we have the ability to do some pretty incredible things like crowdfund our own cities. You know, you already have Apple and Google and, and uh, um, there's a couple of other ones, Tesla, who petition states for the right to start their own cities, their own autonomous cities with their own laws and mandates. That's going to happen. Yeah. Why not us? Why can't we do that? Um, and this is my big problem is like, listen, if you don't like the world that you're in, fix it, do the things to create the world that you want. Don't sit around and say, well, we got to get together and elect the right politician. It's like, no, the technology's out there. The fact that you don't know about it and you don't understand it because you haven't done any research or any work isn't an excuse. We're sitting here trying to build the world that we want to live in, a world where you can come and buy into our little organization. You spend some money, you buy some crypto, you own a piece of our community. And for that, you get paid based on the content that you get put in. You have the ability to crowdfund and own property jointly with people. This is all coming in the future. We're at the very beginning stages of it, but it's really, really exciting when I get the chance to talk to people about it. Yeah, I'm telling you, the, the what we have in front of us in terms of blockchain type contracts is one of the most exciting things. I I, I enjoy you know the the idea of, of Bitcoin and all this kind of stuff in terms of more of a soft landing and an economic crash, which we'll get to here in a minute, I think. But the idea of what you're talking about in terms of creating communities, uh, there's a lot of people out there, you know, obviously that listen to this show that are. Um, they're they're big fans of things like the Constitution. Uh, they're 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 fans of the anti-federalists who said, "Hey, you know, this isn't going this isn't going to work, right?" And um, the idea, though, that you can not just have a parchment barrier. You know, this this piece of paper will never ever ever keep people from doing things. Now, in terms of blockchain technology and creating, um, you know, communities, you actually have a mechanism that doesn't use force that is signed up through consensually that if mm -hmm. you screw around in these communities the wrong way, 
you're going to screw yourself and what, you know, whatever the terms of the contract are where you forfeit, you know, whether it's your assets, um, whether it's property, whatever those things are, if you violate that contract and that contract has automatic things in place, boy, that is, that is a, I don't know, such a giant leap in what we're talking about in terms of like a, a, a voluntaristic society, mm-hmm. for, for lack of a better term. The world that the that the that the anarcho capitalists, the world that the you know, the hardcore libertarians want is at, for the first time within reach. Yeah, you, you, we have the technologies coming together to be able to do that. The question is. Will will people turn away from? So let me go a different direction with this. I, you and I both know. You know, we were both in the Marines. I I hold the values of uh, of liberty and um, and self governance really high, uh, and I I believe wholeheartedly that you know men and women have a right to live free. With that said, I think we we do ourselves a terrible disservice by looking backward. Uh, back to the revolution, back to the founding fathers. Like, well, we got to go back to our roots. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> no, we got to do I it better. Saying, yeah, but that was. Keep in mind, when when we fought a revolution, we fought a revolution over a revolutionary idea, the notion that people could self-govern. Right. This was something that nobody thought would work, or very few thought would work, and, and we fought a war to give ourselves that opportunity. That worked then. That's not a revolutionary idea today. The revolutionary ideas today are like, man, could we create a situation where you could have 100% democracy, where people buy into your nation state, your little digital state, your network state, and then they get to vote on what happens and based on how much they own is how many votes they get and everybody gets a say. And you know what? If you don't like it, you could just sell your coins or sell your contracts back and you can go to another community where one that really does hold your values. What's going to happen in a world where, and to nation states, in a world where you don't have to live in any one place to have the values, to have the value of people and stuff that's in that place. Right. We're getting very close. I talked to the other day, uh, Google is coming out with their first glasses, eyeglasses for augmented reality. And I was talking a little bit last week and I said, you know, right now we all show up on Zoom calls like you and I are doing this right now. Uh, I, and we can see each other. And this is this is actually a very new technology. This is something that's only come about in the last five years or so, really. In, in this oh, and for, and for a, you know, like for a, a little guy like myself to be able to run a, a studio, basically, yeah. where I can cut back and forth. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But so we're at this stage now. Well, within the next few years, we're going to have a form of augmented reality that you put on your glasses and you guys are in the same room together. Right. And, and think about what that's going to mean for a family whose uh, whose son or daughter or sister or something is three states away and they can't get home for Thanksgiving. Ah, we'll just throw on the glasses and she'll be right there. And yeah. She can engage with us the entire time. It's going to change the world, man. And the fact that we've got people, liberty minded people who are looking back going, ah, we need to you know, go back to the founding fathers and elect some people who roll back this regulation. Man, that regulation is going to die anyway because these nation states are going to lose power the longer this technology and blockchain begins to unfold. So I'm trying to look as far forward as I can and say, how, how do we prepare ourselves for this? How do we have an army of people who understand it and who can capitalize on it so that we can be one of the first people to bring this to fruition? And and I'm a a huge proponent of of a blockchain, and I honestly see it as one of the the best, you know, most optimistic pieces of information that I can share with people. And you know, to to talk to people that don't get it or haven't studied it, and 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 the thing is, and, and to be fair, like. Blockchain technology, there are, isn't just a mountain of information. There are mountain ranges of information oh, yeah. and ideas that are so far in the distance over hills you can't even see yet that we, we are barely scratching the surface. We're, I mean, we're cavemen. We're monkeys. Yeah, but, you know? but here's the good thing, though, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but here's the Go really ahead. good thing is that it's new for everybody. This isn't like some technology that's been around for 20 years and you're fighting with people who have greater inform- greater knowledge than you. Like, pick a lane. Pick one little thing, one little piece. That's what everybody's doing is that there's 10,000 different little things that people are all working on and building and testing. And we're starting to assemble some of those pieces. But you can get mm-hmm. started right now. You can jump right in right now and just pick your spot. 
and you can claim ownership in in one of these little verticals. It's it, the the opportunities that exist today are like nothing that I've I could have ever imagined even five years ago. And to to just look at Bitcoin as like oh it's a cryptocurrency that's going to kill fiat currencies is such a shallow and elementary way of looking at the world that we're getting ready to step into. Yeah, I mean it. To, to be fair, and maybe we'll spend some good time on this um, because I think. You know, Bitcoin specifically, I think Bitcoin is going to put governments out of business. I mean, just flat out. And and I think I think that's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing now. I think this kind of this final last ditch warp speed or whatever Trump called it, like this effort by, you know, basically the entire world uh, at, at the, you know, the ridiculous, you know, billionaire elite um, level you know, they're, they're trying to catch up with what Bitcoin is, what it's going to be. And I saw something out of the UK, this, you know, this young guy pitching, uh, you know, a, a centralized uh, crypto from a, you know, a centralized bank. I was sitting there going, God, what? I mean, to be that young man that is sitting there, you know, floating a centralized bank crypto. Oh, man, that's going to age really, really poorly. Well, I think they're they're going to try it. I think most nations are going to go. Are, I mean, they're basically they're basically on their way there, but they're going to want the ability to uh, to mess with the with the amount of currency that's available and devalue it when they want to. Um, but that's like again, not to not to just confuse your audience, but there's a whole world called decentralized finance now, where we may not need banks in the future. With smart contracts and decentralized finance, there's mm-hmm. no reason to have banks anymore. There's yeah. no reason to have stock markets anymore. This is, it is crazy. You're talking about, this is, this is like when we moved into the industrial revolution, but on steroids. It's like the, the amount of change that is going to happen is going to hit uh, like tidal waves hitting a beach is just going to continue for the foreseeable future. And I think it's only going to accelerate. And so, yeah, I, the, I, the, are, they, are the governments going to try and stop it? Yeah, they are. Are they going to be able to? No, they're not. They, how, how do you think that goes over? I mean, around the world. I mean, how, how do you think this kind of plays itself out? You know, I mean, time frame, um, you know, just just the interaction between us and these people that have power now. If I had to take a silly, wild ass guess, here, here's what I'd say. Is and I, I agree. This is like I don't have any idea. Yeah, there, this is this is such a I mean, it could be any of a million different variations. But let me let me give you one that I think is reasonable. Uh, so right now, one of the reasons that governments have not been real quick to put the kibosh on Bitcoin, Bitcoin trading and investing has to do with the fact that it's sucking up a lot of liquidity right now. So we spent $4 trillion and and we just created that money out of thin air and pumped it right into the economy. Now we're trying to do another $3 trillion in a stimulus package. We're not the only ones doing this, by the way. Every major industrialized country around the world is doing it, right? Well, that money goes somewhere. Okay, you give it to the poor people, poor people spend it on stuff they need. And if there's anything left over, they spend it on stuff they don't need. Right. And it all goes back to people who have money, who know how to control it, who know how to keep it. Right. Well, what do they do with it? There's a limited number of places they can put it. They can put it in the stock market. They put it in real estate. Well, but they got cryptocurrencies that are making 400% a year uh, in returns, and they all want a piece of that action. So right now you have uh, hundreds of billions of dollars that is being sucked up of liquidity that's being sucked up by cryptocurrency that would otherwise be going to real estate or the stock market. And we're also seeing massive increases in inflation in real estate and the market as well. So I, this, I've always said, I think the way we get rid of our debt here in the U.S. at least is we inflate it away. I think eventually they will print enough money where hyperinflation will set in and it will wipe that debt out. Either after that happens, while that's happening, maybe before it comes to a, to, a, to a head, the government will come out with some sort of new currency and it'll be the cryptocurrency and the dollars that they've sold will be inflated away and everybody will transfer over to this new sort of fiat crypto. That's, here- that's what I think it may happen. That's a pretty reasonable, a reasonable guess, I think. Here's your $500 trillion coin, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's call it a day. Yeah, well, we're gonna now we're it's it's like here you can there there are examples there are models of how people get out of debt and what happens with hyperinflation and and how it works is it's pretty simple Brazil's done it Venezuela's working on doing it is that the money gets gets blown way up 
and they just say, okay, we're going to start over. Now, all your savings is gone. All your investments are gone. It's crushing to an economy. Like, you don't want to be around for that. Uh, but that'll eventually happen here, too. So what is your defense against high inflation? Well, until a few years ago, your only, your only remedy for high inflation was high living. Spend your money as fast as you can. Buy liquor and cigarettes, stuff that you can sell in the future for a profit. Um, but today, you have other options. Today, you can invest in crypto. You can create mobile income uh, so that you can go and live somewhere else where they're not destroying their entire world. And there are places like that on Earth. There are places right now where you can go that um, in South America and Central America, there are places in Europe, in uh, some of the Soviet blocs, that they're way ahead in terms of technology, in terms of Bitcoin and crypto uh, that are that are making massive strides that are gonna be great places for you to go if you have to and again that's a, hopefully you never have to do that yeah. but god why would you want to take the risk of being the guy who doesn't have a choice to leave why would you want to be the cat in venezuela right now who can't feed his family but who says i'm so glad i stayed to fight the man <laughs> right like oh no does that about make any sense you know then this i always know when i talk to these people too because they've never been in a war they've never seen <laughs> what it does to a country they've never seen what it does you're like yeah. you don't want that here you talking oh. all he's a door warrior keyboard warrior talking all this mad shit about how he's gonna like get his gun and fight his own government i'm like dude you have no idea how that ends no i want that dude I, not, not only how badly that ends right like i mean that's the thing is like this isn't one of those things where, you know, you, you kind of walk it off, get up and brush off the dirt and, and continue. This is long lasting. It's going to have, you know, psychological effects, not only on yourself, but anybody who witnesses this, including your kids. And, yeah. you know, that's that's what, yeah, I mean, the Call of Duty look guys. Dudes, look at how many dudes it messed up. Like these are you know, like grown men with steely-eyed killers like these guys were were mentally prepared they thought to go how many of those guys came back completely effed up now imagine what that would do to your kids imagine what yeah. that would do to your family dude there yeah. you don't want that man anything is preferable to that it should be last resort because oh. i got no other options and your job your responsibility for yourself and your family is to create options so that's again that's that's kind of what we're focused on now yeah, I, I I love it, man. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, I talk to my my audience about this kind of stuff, you know, quite quite often in terms of you know where I think things are going and what can happen. And I will tell you, you know, I also talk to people um, that are you know good old friends, and just talked to one of our buddies uh, from the Marine Corps earlier today, um, and was you know kind of going down this path with him. And it's like, hey, man, you know, are are you getting ready? Because he was, he, you know, December 8th is a deadline for him and he's going to get let go from his company. And he's got, you know, he says, like, hey, I got quite a bit of money, you know, saved up. I've been smart over the years. And um, he's like, but, you know, with what's going on, I just don't know what to do. And I was just like, hey, man, you need to start studying. You need to start learning. You need to start understanding some of this future tech and, and, and especially with with Bitcoin and, and, and blockchain technology. I mean, if you're not putting your time and effort into understanding this, they're going to take everything that you've done to date and they are going to zero it out as yep. fast as they can for you. Yeah, I, th I think that's true. I think playing, you got to be offensive at this point with with how, how you're preparing yourself. Yeah. And again, I do think that there is a place inside of that for you know a stockpile of food and, and water and stuff for your family. You know, um, for years, I had six months worth of food and water and everything and dried goods in the garage just in case something went bad. Because, you know, eventually you make enough money and you're just like, yeah, everything's taken care of. You're like, well, what if there's a natural disaster and, and the you know, there's no food at the grocery store anymore? So you start thinking that way. I don't think that you'd ignore those kinds of things. I'm just saying for most people, time is far better spent acquiring skills and learning how to manage your own affairs than it is continuing with your head down or, or focused on some other endeavor, you know, that that doesn't require much effort, but just you do a lot of talking online. What, what do you say uh, to the I, I want to say, you know, kind of the older generation? Um, you know, I've, I've got um, my my mother and father in law that live with me and, you know, to ha to have these conversations with them, um, you know, it, obviously, you know, they're only 60s and 70s. So, you know, they've got a lot of years ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And this idea that America isn't going to be 
uh, the same place or even America in, you know, the, maybe the, even the next few years, the way I see it. Um, do you, what, what do you say to those guys? It, it depends. So if they are, if they're inquisitive and they want to learn, you know, if some 70 year olds can't stop learning, they're always doing something. They're always trying to, they're always got a new thing. My uh, Nancy's, Nancy's uh, dad is like that. He's always got a little, He's got a grift running somewhere, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just mean like, <laughs> he's, he's he's moving. He's, he owns he's, yeah. he owns real some real estate properties, and every once in a while he'll be like, oh, "I'm gonna do a little thing over here." He's just he's always working, and the wheels are turning at almost eighty years old, right? Mm -hmm. um, other people are just like they stopped learning at at fifty or forty, and they're just riding it out to the end. And I think for people who are riding it out, one of the things I never try and do is I, I never try and I I, I never try and talk somebody out of the conversation they're already having in their own head. So for my family, there may come a time when my my mom or or someone else in my family uh, doesn't have the means to take care of themselves. I, I view it as part of my job mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm in a position where I can do it if they can't. Uh, if, if I see the light, if I understand what's happening and they don't want to listen, I have a responsibility to prepare. Uh, I won't do that for the rest of the world, but I would do it for my family. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. You know, I've got my, my entire family here at the compound. So it's like, yeah, my, um, my arc is only big enough for my immediate family. <laughs> we will not be taking on any other freeloaders who just, and that's the other thing I say is I'm like, when I talk to people about this, I said, I will not feel bad for you. The next time the recession hits, you find yourself without a job and no skills. Hey, if you can't feed your family, I'll feel terrible for your family, but you're not, I'm not going to shed a tear for you because you've heard this message and um, I've been saying it and preaching it for long enough that if you still haven't done anything, then that's on you. I, I've had this thought and I haven't said it out loud on the show yet, but I, I really have come to the understanding that independence is a verb. Um, it's oh. not, it's this idea that, you know, we grew up, um, you know, America's independent and we're, you know, we're an independent people and all this kind of stuff. And I, you know, now that I'm a, a homesteader brother, it's, you know, I, I look at the amount of work that I have to do just to, you know, think about surviving if everything goes to bedlam, you know, if, if, mm -hmm. if, if the lights and the power and, and everything goes out, can I still live an enjoyable, comfortable life with my family with you know some of the things obviously that we in, enjoy uh today still at our fingertips and i have just come to the idea that man i'll tell you what independence if you want to be free and independent you better get real real used to working your butt off all the damn time well that's one of the things i i really admire most about you is that you've always from everything i've ever seen you've always lived the values that you that you prescribe for others and um, most people don't. So it's it, when you see somebody who is doing it, and then it's admirable. So you know, I've, I haven't told you before. I just I no. really I do really do admire the the Humble. work that you do. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's it, uh, it, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, I'm going to tell you, and everybody else out there, um, Jason got me started on this path. Um, one of my, one of our buddies, Billy, um, turned me on to Jason. I think it was like 20, I don't know, 2014, 2015, for God's sakes. It's been a while and, uh, said something to the effect of, Hey man, you need to check out this guy, Jason Stapleton, man. He's a, he's another force reconnaissance Marine. He's got his own podcast. He's out there, you know, moving and grow and grooving and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I was like, all right, you know, pick this guy up and, and really was just so amazed at the eloquence and the passion and the skill set you had taken on um, since leaving the Marine Corps. And, you know, a lot of times you're told, you know, then maybe this is for some of the, the vets out in the crowd or guys that are still in the service that listen. Like, don't think that when you get out, you know, your identity needs to be tied to being, you know, a, a Marine of whatever sort or your service or any of that kind of stuff. It's this idea that you were made for so much more and there's so much you can learn if you'll just stop consuming you know the, the the nonsense that they they want you to consume whether it's sports or just trivial bullshit that, that comes along it's like you've got an opportunity to not only 
learn skills, but to communicate those skills and share, you know, your, not only your, your passion, but you know, this arc, this character arc and the story with people. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing me that another, you know, knuckle dragging crayon eater doesn't have to sit in the stereotype and, and be, you know, that guy that just consumes, consumes, consumes and becomes a net producer instead of a net consumer. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that. It really is. It really is kind of you. And I, I see the same thing. Like I see a, a lot of Marines who get out and I never wanted the Marine, my time in the Marines to be the best days of my life. They were great days. I really enjoyed being in the service and I've got a lot of great friends and, and memories out of that. But a lot of Marines, a lot of military folks treat their time in military service like like a guy who played high school football, and that's like where he's stuck, right? And he right. that's all he ever talks about when he played ball in high school or in college, right? I, I never wanted that. I always wanted to say, well, what's the next challenge? What's the next mountain? Well, what is it that really inspires me and makes me want to get up and, and work until 3 in the morning on something? And I don't know. I like to talk, and for some reason, people like to listen. So. <laughs> Well, I, I think he's got fell into. something worth saying. It's not the ums and the ahs <laughs> and the and the non-prepped. I mean, I think there's a lot of. I think you know maybe one of the secrets that um, you know our just our background brings to things is the amount of preparation work that you will do to actually go and execute whatever the, that mission set is. And, and I think that just comes through with flying colors, man. Um, I do want to spend the last few minutes. I got you here. Um, talking about stuff outside of the, you know, the, the doom and gloom and the crazy stuff. What, what are you just so super excited about maybe guilty pleasures or whatever else you got going out there in Arizona now? Oh man, I'm going to tell you right now, I've become an avid pickleball player because every <laughs> What you know, the hell is pickleball? Every time, every time we get together, I'm a little fatter than the last time we met, and I'm getting a little tired of it. And, and so, what, pickleball is like tennis, but for old people. And so, it's in, it's incredibly fun. If you've never played pickleball, you have to play. They Brother, have I've little, never even heard of it. Yes. Oh, dude, you you better ask somebody. But. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna go YouTube it after we get no, off here. It really is great. So, uh, and we found out that about five minutes from our house, there is like every night they come and play pickleball, and it's the coolest place. You go, you hang your little paddle on there to put you in line, and there's four courts, and everybody just rotates out every game, and you meet a ton of great people there. We've just we've had a blast doing that, and so I don't know, just on the lighter side, that's something that I've been doing a lot of. That and uh, that and in the pandemic, I've become quite the bourbon connoisseur, <laughs> which is the reason why I need to be playing more pickleball. What uh, uh, have you come out and done any of the um, the bourbon tours up in Kentucky? No, I haven't. Oh, I've been man. out that way. Let I, me tell I've been you, doing a little bourbon tour of myself for myself here in COVID. I've been going to the store, buying myself a different, a couple of different bottles every time I go, and kind of testing them out. So yeah, I would love to get out there. Actually, Nancy kind of likes that too. We may make a trip and go hit a lot of the distilleries out there. Yeah, well, let me know. There's uh, there's some really great ones. I've uh, been up there a few times, and um, I'll tell you, one of the the most impressive distilleries uh, is Four Roses. And I'm not like really? I wasn't even a Four Roses. No, I, I had not, no. Idea. My favorite is it's okay. It's not my favorite yeah, one, but that's it, interesting. What was yeah, so unique about uh, it? It was one of those things where when we went around, you know, we went to uh, Woodford, uh, a couple other places, and we went over to uh, the the Buffalo Trace, and with with all of them, you know, like four roses we started out with so we kind of hit the best one first thing in the morning and i was just like what the hell um but you know woodford was a little more commercial and i mean buffalo trace for the just amazing bourbon that those guys produce it's like walmart in in terms of like it's just you know throughput and everything's kind of commercial and you know i don't know dirty i i didn't like that i didn't like it um you know woodford was okay i just i'm not a big woodford guy and four roses you know for you know being a four roses guy it's it's good bourbon um there's their small batch is great but like their their tour is really kind of just my speed you know you get in and you get to get over the vats and everything and you really get into the process of how they it ha happened the fact that they're one of the, the the first distilleries in the nation um they talk about you know the, the limestone and why it's better and like just such a i don't know more laid back 
really, really um, informative, I think, All right. uh, well, is, is why list, I like then. it the most. Yeah, so now, what, what, So what's your favorite, like, day-drinking bourbon? Not your, like, if I could just have a so, Pappy Van Winkle, but, like, what's your favorite, like, day-drinker? I'll tell you, you know, uh, Eagle Rare has been, you know, one of those that I've I've always loved. It's it's made by Buffalo Trace, and that's why I was so disappointed by damn Buffalo Trace. I like um, – I love that. I love Blanton's. I'll tell you um, – I, they're the guys over at Jack Daniels. I know they're not a bourbon, uh, and I know they're in Lynchburg and not Kentucky, but they made a uh, a Sinatra. I think it's a Sinatra blend. I think it's almost two hundred dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's not cheap stuff. And went in for a tasting, and I was like, "Whoa, man, this is super super nice whiskey." Yeah. Um, man, I'll tell you uh, what. What else there? I mean, um, oh, there's um, I'm trying to remember. It's a it's a brown bottle. Um, and it's not Booker's Booker's not right. But, um, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it is a growl. I'll send you, I'll definitely send you a, a, yeah, a picture me, of it in the, the link. ones that you like. Cause I, uh, I obviously Buff, Buffalo trace is one that's easy. It's a cheap, cheaper bottle, but it's, you know, it tastes great. I, I drink it neat. So I don't, I don't put yeah. anything in it or anything. Um, but I really like a Mitchers is something that I like. It's, uh, it's one of my, one of the ones I go to. And I, there's also a, there's a cheaper one. It's called like, well, whistle pig too, but it's more expensive, but the redemption, there's a one that's called redemption. Yeah. Rye. And I, I, that was so surprised. That's one of the ones that I, I bought during my testing and I just keep buying it. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a big rye guy, man. Like I, I really like anything from like a 96 to about 115 proof, you know, depending mm-hmm. if it's colder out. I like that sting a little bit that that no, warm warm you up a little bit um hey um you know a couple minutes where did you start drinking bourbon uh, were you in the military when you started drinking bourbon or no i uh, i don't like jack daniels at all um and i actually started drinking it after i got out and I, it started out i was drinking uh you know just like old fashions and then of course slowly it whittled away where it was just like the bourbon on ice and now it's just like bourbon um, and I, I don't know yeah. what it is because I don't I don't drink a lot of beer. I don't really like. I don't really, it's okay. I just don't drink a lot of it. Mostly Guinness if I'm going to. Um, so it's basically red wine and bourbon is is kind of like my 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 jam right now. And yeah, I, I'm trying to think of when I actually got into it. I really got into it in the last 18 months or so because I I didn't have anything to do but start drinking at three in the afternoon. <laughs> um, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be awesome oh it's three <laughs> get out of that day drinking bourbon <laughs> you can do it too you're a grown-ass man oh man i'll tell you what i get lazy if i start drinking that early man it's just like oh the bourbon's slow work must be over right no no i got yeah no no it's it's funny well no i i i, I jest a little bit but it's uh yeah it was i we just there wasn't much to do in quarantine. You kind of hanging out. We had a few friends that uh, would come over and hang out on the weekends. Who'd quarantined all week, but there just wasn't a lot to do. We watched a lot of movies and hung out a lot. That's how I knew I wanted to marry uh, Nancy. Was that you know, I <laughs> he got through it with her an entire year with her, and I didn't want to kill her. Um, and so I thought, man, that's, this must be true love. <laughs> so, I, I, I can't argue with that, man, because I'll tell you what, a lot of people found out exactly who they were married to over the past yep. 19 months. And we're like, nah, man, this is a deal breaker. This is, I can, you, you're, you're, you're not my end of the world. What do they say? The Tekuwaki, you're not my Tekuwaki uh, companion. So yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Better to find out now. <laughs> this yeah, is a test. Run. Absolutely. Yeah. We had, we had the ultimate gauntlet that we went through. Yeah. Hey, man, um, let's let's hit up all of your uh, your sites, jasonstapleton.com. Um, what do you want? You know, where can we help you out and, and focus everything? Because I, I, I'm telling you right now, this this nomad um, entrepreneur uh, network that you've got going on, I'm very interested in coming over and checking it out. Yeah, I, I'd love to have you come over and, and anybody else who's interested in that. Um, come check it out. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free to sign up um, and, and you stay as long as you want. You get all access to everybody else. You can make friends and and kind of feel it out. Uh, we've hit kind of a critical mass at this point and it just it just keeps growing. And so anybody who's interested and in, listened to this and thought, man, I, that sounds kind of cool. I'd like to involve myself with that group. The the web address is a little bit unique. It's my dot nomadnetwork.app that'll send you directly to the landing page where you can sign up for a free account and uh, and then just don't forget to introduce yourself when you show up you're going to find it is the friendliest place that you've ever been on the internet uh, and we intend to keep it that way so 
That's awesome, man. Well, Jason, um, I'm always tickled to death to hang out with you, man, and uh, really just spoiled too. I mean, geez, Pete, how often do you get to talk to a guy that got you started um, down this road? And uh, if if you're ever out uh, in Georgia, man, come out, check it out. Oh, and, um, for sure, I will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you and gotta, I are definitely going to link up if I'm out your way. Boy, I'll tell you what. Between East and West Coast, man, it's it, there's some distance oh. we got to drive. But uh, yeah, I got uh, got plenty of bourbon out here for you, man, and I. Appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, anytime um, you want to hang, just give me a shout. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Jason Stapleton, everybody, go check him out. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. I will see you guys here next week. Until then, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take your stuff.